Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And Matt, you want to introduce our special guest here? Yeah, we got some special movies as we start seeing Double March. We've got a special guest with us uh, this week, Mr. Alex Vasquez. Say hello to everyone out there in Analog Jones land. Hello, everyone in Analog Jones land. <laughs> Alex and I are putting together the Windy City Horrorama. Yay! <laughs> Which is the festival you've heard me talk about many a times. On the podcast uh, that's going to be happening April 27th through 29th at the Davis Theater in Chicago. In the a, in, in a Lincoln Square neighborhood, walking distance from where we are currently recording. Yes. <laughs> and that's all romantic comedies, correct? Yes. Only the sweetest and cutest films that we could find. <laughs> so when are you putting together the brunch and the actual show? So we've got a brunch coming up. This episode's going to drop March 2nd. March 2nd. So March 3rd is going to be our brunch. Yeah, whatever that Saturday is. Yeah, that's Saturday the 3rd, I believe it is, is our brunch at Fat Cat, which is in Uptown on Broadway near Lawrence. And if you're listening to this the day that this drops, come out tomorrow. Please do. Uh, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Yes. If you you show up... We will uh, we'll be hanging out there showing horror movies the whole time in the back room so you can join us. But uh, if you're just going there for brunch uh, and you mention a horror society when you receive your check, 15% of your bill will go to the film festival, which is really cool because you don't even have to you don't even have to pay us anything. No, it's just whatever you ordered, a portion of it is gonna go to us out of the goodwill of our good friends at Fat Cat. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be awesome. And like like Alex said, you don't you don't even have to like bring anything. Just yeah. come and eat. Yeah. Come and eat and hang, hang with out. us. Yeah, hang out. Watch, come have a few mimosas and watch some horror movies with us. We'll have some giveaway thingies and we'll have some uh, stuff for sale like posters and toys and things like that as well. That, of course, all goes to help make the festival all the more epic than it already is going to be <laughs> and is this where you're going to announce everything that we'll be playing no we've Not got yet. a we've got an announcement party coming up on march 23rd which is a friday mm-hmm. we'll be at bucket of blood which you've heard us talk about many a times on the podcast in the avondale neighborhood uh we are going to announce the entire schedule there and we're going to give out the programs on march 23rd it's going to be the first place you can hear of everything that's going to be playing before tickets probably go on sale that Monday, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. somewhere around that time. So and how much will tickets be? Tickets are going to be $12 each movie. Simple. Yeah. Simple. Just everything you yeah, want to see, Individual $12. tickets, 12 yep. bucks each. Yep. As it stands right now, um, it's looking like since uh, since Davis accepts uh, movie pass, uh, you will be able to use your movie pass to, uh, to, to redeem for one film per day at the festival. Right. And uh, we still, you know, the, that money still helps us. It goes to the Davis still. Yep. Everybody wins. It's good money. Uh, <laughs> it's But, yeah, you're, so for you, if you have a movie pass, it's free for yeah. your first movie you go to see that day. Mm-hmm. How awesome is that? 
Yeah, you lose nothing. Yeah, like, <laughs> except for being able to use your movie pass later in the day, but you're not going to need to because you're going to be hanging out with us all night. Yeah. So. <laughs> Who wants to see those stupid Hollywood films? <laughs> yeah, uh, our program is going to consist of some new exciting stuff, making the festival rounds, some Chicago premieres, in addition to a couple of anniversary favorites yeah. that we're very excited about. All uh, this will be TBD. Uh, come to our event on the 23rd to hear all about it. Yes. And uh, in addition, we are making a point to uh, to have this be a, uh, a local showcase as well. Uh, so we uh, were gathering a crop of really exciting local uh, independent horror productions uh, that we will be uh, boosting the profile of as well, making sure they get on a big screen, you get to interact with the filmmakers. Uh, we really we really want it to be a big celebration of all things horror in Chicago, from the fans to the classics to the people who make it. Here. Yeah, I mean, really, there's festivals all over the world but i think what we're trying to do is you know we're we're from the indie filmmaking world mm -hmm. we are we're both indie filmmakers and we just want to give we want to give an outlet to those filmmakers uh that are working within the genre because you know they're working so hard and they can get lost in these big yeah. you know huge festivals and they're they're the movies have merit and they need to be seen and yeah. i think there's i think chicago has a great audience for yeah those very supportive well. very i don't know it's a community it feels like a family so we're just trying to cultivate that some more uh really really excited about it it's gonna be a blast it's gonna be a big party it's a three-day party yeah and i think that's the <laughs> other thing that's gonna set our fest apart is it is gonna be a party <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh it's awesome. It sounds great. I can't wait to actually attend that and see as many films as I can in that weekend. We'll see. We'll see how much coffee I go through. <laughs> Just keeping me up, and I'll be ready. Be sure to uh, for for all the news updates, uh, everything that's going on in the coming weeks, uh, more details, any other events that that we may have coming up in the coming months. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Windy City Horrorama, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we've we've been pretty active on all three of those. Uh, you know, we may we may do some giveaways, specific details, things like that. That'll all be. Um, we, we, we update that stuff every day, yep. uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to, to, to reach out to us. We, we love to hear from you guys, so uh, we're, yep. we're available, always available. Yeah, and uh, please definitely like and keep an eye on all, all three of those pages. We just gave away uh, tickets to The Strangers' new movie. Uh, on the on the social media, so if you you want you definitely like it to keep up what we're doing, but I know you guys like to win free stuff too, <laughs> so definitely like it because we're gonna try to do more of that stuff as well as the uh, promotional stuff for our fest. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, people are excited about the strangers, so we gave away some tickets to that. So any anything that you know, bring some eyes over to the social media sites. Definitely do it. Like them all. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's move on to our. Tapes we've got here, C and Double in March. Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce our first movie, The War Room, and its box art. Well, let me explain actually what we're doing, because this is a bit weird. <laughs> yes, it's it is. It's a bit different for us, before I get into each of the movies here. Uh, what we have here is a promotional tape that was sent out to video stores, video rental stores uh, in the 90s, which was something they sent out in order to get orders for the movies. Uh, this is a Vidmark tape, so two Trimark films that uh, came out. They put on the same tape in order to say, hey, video stores, check out these movies. Show, you know, show that we have these quality features. Well, 
<laughs> Very in quality. We'll discuss that first. Uh, but uh, quality features, so you can order them from us. Uh, and this is a double tape that includes The War Room and Death Wish 5, The Face of Death. Bidmark Entertainment is proud to bring you a special double feature presentation of two nationwide theatrical releases coming to you on video. First, it's the Academy Award-nominated film, hailed by critics everywhere, The War Room. Then, Charles Bronson returns in the explosive sequel, Death Wish 5, The Face of Death. Before these features begin, we'll show you the trailers for Silent Tongue and The Stoned Age. These two films are opening soon in theaters everywhere from Trimark Pictures and coming your way from Bidmark. Then, please take a look at the brief marketing presentations for The War Room and Death Wish 5. Um, and it is a screening cassette for tape orderers. And these things went out specifically to video stores. You couldn't purchase them in the 90s. But there were so many video stores in the 90s that got these. Now that people are reselling tapes to Goodwills and Salvation Armies and stuff like that, taking them over, uh, you'll find these anywhere now. These are kind of popular to find these uh, screener tapes, as they were called. Uh, so we're, we're taking a look at The War Room and Death Wish 5 this week. The face of death. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know what The War Room is, it is a 1993 uh, documentary that was nominated for an Academy Award about the Clinton campaign and the people who ran it, which were James Carville and George Stephanopoulos, are the focus of the documentary. In the 1960s, D.A. Penny Baker's Don't Look Back and Monterey Pop captured the legends of rock and roll. Now, D.A. Penny Baker and Chris Hedges bring us the making of the first president from the rock and roll generation. Somebody who's been through a lot of tough elections, James Carville, is known as the Raging Cajun in the business. So let me tell you what's at stake in this election. Just about George Bush and the whole sleazy little cabal of them. You're going to get tax breaks for the wealthy. You're going to get a guy that doesn't know what a grocery store scanner is. I'm getting sick and tired. I am every single night hearing one of these carping little liberal Democrats jumping all over my you-know-you-know-what. I'm George Stephanopoulos. I'm director of communications. Bush was on the defensive. Another good night for Bill Clinton. Three debates three wins. I guarantee you that if you do this, you'll never work in democratic politics again. If we cannot believe anything he has said about his past, how can we believe anything he's saying about the future? Well, I think Mary Mallon's got a good career in fiction writing when this is over. The first one we look at, uh, should we just take a look at the art here? Well, yeah, I mean, there's not really much on it. We've got an American flag, and uh, but I think our quotes are what people <laughs> will really want to hear. Because really, you get George Stephanopoulos in his Stephanopoulos <laughs> in his uh, amazing denim jacket with the sleeves rolled up, but only once. Yeah. Yes. Only a, a, the uh, early 90s style icon, truly. Yes. <laughs> and and we've got we've got James Carvel in his like what would you call it like iconic look of this film yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Mardi Gras colored uh, rugby jersey <laughs> with like yeah, I... these multicolored stripes <laughs> yeah that's pretty much what that is right it's yeah. just a rugby shirt yeah the yeah. the, the raging Cajun uniform yeah and they're looking... core baby yeah <laughs> and I was looking very pensive in the corner of this tape as like the flag is draped over them and like a 
a uh, negative space uh, White House in the background. Oh, uh, yes. that's because that's their goal. Yeah, that's what they're, they're aiming for. They're, they're pondering over their, their goal. <laughs> um, and the tagline is something that they mention in the film, but it is, they change the way campaigns are won. Uh, yeah, and it, it has the big old stamp on there that this is an Academy Award nominee for Best uh, Documentary in 1993. And here's some of the uh, quotes that they've pulled for this marketing tape. Funny and frenetic by the uh, New York Daily, Te- Daily News. Four-star merits Oscar consideration. Well, they got there. Uh, <laughs> USA Today, two thumbs up, Siskel and Ebert, and a remarkably entertaining film from People Magazine. Oh, if People Magazine says it's entertaining. Like documentary, guys? Yeah. They were praising a doc. <laughs> TV guy. A, ta- a tabloid. Is praising a doc. A, is praising a doc. It's amazing. Uh, must be good, right? Yeah, must be. It must be worth ordering, guys. Uh, so we've got the Vidmark logo and the closed caption logo, but it does have slapped across there the double feature, full-length screening cassette that includes promotional trailers. Yes, just in case you couldn't tell from this all. <laughs> ready but yeah they they let you know like 15 times on this vhs that it's a double feature and it opens up so like a book yeah. <laughs> front cover flap, tabs front, front open flap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> front flap uh and it is an academy award nominee best documentary 1993 again huge across the top and we've got the negative space uh white house in the background again and we've got two stills, which is focusing on the obvious stars of the movie of James Carville and George Stephanopoulos. Once again, the still, though, is them in like their uniforms for the movie right. and their iconic looks. Uh, and then the other still is them sort of like active, looking on the phone or something like that, talking about the campaign. Uh, hard to kind of pull action stills from like a documentary where people talk in a room but like <laughs> they did their best they're trying real hard on this yeah to make this that, that that's probably why they were pushing the oscar nominee thing. yeah like this is how you'd sell a doc yeah exactly <laughs> Oscars. prestige 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 a totally charming smart behind the scenes roller coaster of a movie from the village voice a must-see highly entertaining the new york post great fun one for the archives new york times <laughs> full of biting and amusing moments the los angeles times all these are huge on the top trying to sell it at the bottom underneath the white house we have a 1993 theatrical release in all major markets like stamp so we know that this was like a big theatrical release uh here's some of the advertising things they pull from this one of the most critically acclaimed movies of 1993 behind the scenes insiders look at how successful presidential campaign is waged in, in the tradition of popular films such as Bob Roberts, which 65,000 units sold, and Roger and Me, 75,000 units sold, high consumer awareness through trailers on video pipeline and upcoming Vidmark releases, Deadfall, and The Philadelphia Experiment 2. I feel like Trimark came in and bought this because it was obviously going to win like or you know get a nomination. They were like, people are going to take us seriously now, and they're like, fuck how do we sell this? We've never sold anything like this before. Yeah. We're used to selling leprechaun movies. Yeah, Charles, <laughs> Charles Bronson movies. <laughs> and then they have a pay-per-view holdback for 90 days, which was kids. This was something they used to do back in the day. Uh, when a movie would come out on video, the only way you could see it 
would be to go to your rental store and get it. You had to leave your house. Uh, pay-per-view wouldn't be for 90 days, and it wouldn't be on TV for, like, six months after it came out. Like, mm-hmm. Which I should wait. mention, pay-per-view, like, in the early 90s, that was pretty much meant rich people. Because, <laughs> like, right. when you were poor where I grew up, that was a non-existent. That's yeah. right. You had to, well, you had to call Not in. Not an option. You had <laughs> no. to call in, give your credit card number, and be like, I want to order this movie. So it was, like, basically your analog version of On Demand. Yeah, and but that go, right there is where the government gets it. <laughs> That's where they get your information. <laughs> However, in their defense, maybe for the war room, pay-per-view was a more viable option for their projected audience. Yeah, yeah. true. It's <laughs> where true. it was like rich, learned, college-educated people yes. who wanted to, to... Whose idea of like an exciting Friday night was, let's pop in the movie about the presidential campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Can't uh, wait to watch this, Alex. It's yeah. gonna be great. Oh boy, I'm gonna get my notebook out. Take notes. <laughs> Fucking liberals. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we just spent the Saturday watching it, so like yeah. I can't even. And I enjoyed myself. Hey, this um, has been on my watch list for years. So I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat the opposition with a two-pack deal. Oh, okay. So you can get two of them if you yeah. order. So you get two of them to put on your shelf when you yeah, uh, uh, get them for your. Video rental store. They had a, a discount discount options for uh, for retailers who were buying in bulk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so your order date was in May, and your street date was in May. Uh, Ninety six minutes color PG, but also this is available on Laserdisc as well. Ooh. So if you're ordering, and your store is one of those fancy schmancy stores that carries those new fangled movies on discs oh, you can get man. a laser disc sent to your store because it's also available that way before we get into talking about the war room let me just finish talking about this box real quick i'll give you the death wish stuff okay, flip it to the other side yeah so if you flip it to the back instead of getting like a synopsis and the uh, credit block like we're used to getting we get the other movies cover <laughs> <laughs> so we get death wish five the face of death with charles bronson no judge no jury no appeals no deals. Oh. <laughs> what a lie! <laughs> In the world of glamour and high fashion, a new crime syndicate is taking over. Peekaboo. I watched this guy coming up through the Irish gangs, and now he's ruthless. He's infiltrated every aspect of my business. Their methods are brutal. Promise me if anything should happen to me, he'll take care of Chelsea. Olivia! Gone. The one thing they didn't count on was an enemy who wouldn't back down. You know, these people, they steal, they murder, destroy people's lives, and get away with it. Kersey's no amateur. You've got a problem. Charles Bronson is back. I'm coming for you, Hoshe. And this time, he's not leaving until his wish is their command. No judge, no jury, no appeal, and no deals. And this is Charles Bronson with his little six-shooter that he barely uses in the movie. We'll get to (laughs) standing in front of an official looking building but i'm not really sure which one some sort of courthouse uh, not one in the movie that's for sure. <laughs> that looks nothing like anything i saw in the movie uh <laughs> charles bronson has his name huge above the title like mm-hmm. you know he's getting paid on this mm-hmm. uh for death wish 5 the face of death this one's rated r so if you were uh 
watching this with War Room, you'd have to send the kids to bed after their exciting documentary about the Clinton campaign. Uh, I'm pretty sure that would put one. them to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the 21st century logo, which is the uh, golden of the Golden Globus duo that we've talked about many a times before on here, but you we'll mean, get to you, that. You mean you've seen some canon films on the show? <laughs> yes. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Somehow we've only watched one canon film. But they wow. come up, I think, every week. Yes. <laughs> sure. If you flip over to the side, you get both movies uh, listed on there, War Room, Death Wish 5. And on the top, it's pretty funny. It like tells you that this screener is recorded in EP mode. The finished product will be co- recorded in a higher quality SP mode. Remember, in order to accommodate two features on one cassette, this screener was recorded in extended play. However, all finished goods will be finished in standard play. And now, enjoy the show. Which means, which, which is like code for you're not going to be able to hear a goddamn thing <laughs> when you're watching these. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're using the same amount of tape that you use for a full feature for two features, cramming it on that tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are losing massive quality on this. Yeah, yeah. So these <laughs> these movies might be shit here, but we promise you the real stuff is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, as in, like, if, the, if you think the movie's bad, don't worry. The, it'll be better than the regular one when you order it. <laughs> <laughs> the book, like, flip format of Death Wish 5 is more exciting more exciting than the actual movie. Yeah, when you flip open oh, yeah, Death, wow. Death Wishes, it's awesome. Uh, nationwide 1994 theatrical release. Which was code for... A limited January release. <laughs> we played it in New York and Los Angeles, guys. It's a bi-coastal release. That's across the whole country. More action than the first four put together. Satellite News Network. To fucking lie. <laughs> as good as, if not better than, the first UPI. I just want to point out, like those quotes. They, there's only two of them, and there's like a thousand quotes for like uh, <laughs> for war, room. war Room. War Room's quotes come from the New York Daily News, USA Today, Siskel and Ebert, the New York Post, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times. Death Wishes quotes come from UPI and the Satellite News Network. What are those? <laughs> I don't even know if those are real. <laughs> no, guys, those are totally on par. Same, same level. Same One news. place is from uh, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> we get the no judge, no jury, no appeals, no deals tagline again. That's in really here. all they got. <laughs> yeah, that's, they don't even try with anything new. Get Bronson pointing a gun outside of a car, which I don't think is a shot in the movie at all. Nope. And we see the picture of his girlfriend who is leslie and down who they're really advertising is in this they say she's in rough cut and great train robbery i don't know who this is and then we get the a great stunt which we'll talk about when we talk about the movie but a guy flying through a window we get somebody uh, on fire somebody on fire we get bronson uh, shoving a shotgun in somebody's chest you know action movie shit once again this is available on laserdisc but this nice. one's got a uh, an awesome offer buy five get one free for your store five pack offer includes a discount so bronson they list his credits as dirty dozen magnificent seven the great escape and death wish one through five <laughs> you know okay yeah. and then uh, saul grubinek is in inexplicably used as like the special appearance by in this movie but i'm thinking it's because he was in unforgiven and wall street right before this yeah. that's what they advertise here he was the writer right in unforgiven he was always following him around writing down what he was doing it's I been a long time since i've seen so. that movie yeah, I don't that remember. sounds right yeah though. 
So massive theatrical consumer awareness, extensive print, TV, <laughs> radio advertising, generating over 600 million consumer impressions. CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, national promotions with Subway, Blockbuster, and something with a logo that's so small I can't read it. Domino's, I think. <laughs> Domino's, uh, yep. Highly successful franchise, <laughs> theatrical box office, a Death Wish 1 through 4, totaling over $70 million. Video units totaling over 800,000 units. Trust us, guys. We you're, really did advertise this. You're going to want to <laughs> buy Death Wish 5 retailers. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> your consumers will want to buy this shit. <laughs> like, as opposed to come see this movie. Right. Please take Vidmark serious. Right. So you sort of, so you sort of get a window into like what the video stores were, like 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 how these things were distributed in the '90s. How they were uh, schlepped. Yeah, <laughs> in the early '90s, what it would be like to own a video store if you didn't own a video store. Yeah, this is this would be like your regular person getting a Sears catalog in the mail. Like there's a, like look at all this stuff you can buy. Mm-hmm. So they needed to be sent actual movies to know if they wanted to buy them and rent them out to sell them because yeah. I mean like at one point they put in this in the promotion buy five death wishes and get the sixth yeah. one free that's the one where I looked at it, I'm like wow what <laughs> yeah, yeah this is definitely not for uh, consumers so yeah we're talking about what happens uh, when we pop in that tape and yeah they, they basically explicitly say at the beginning here's what we're going to give you Mm-hmm. And then it leads into uh, the first trailer, which is the first thing they want to give us is their theatrical releases they have right now. Mm-hmm. And what's the first trailer we get? We get <laughs> Silent Tongue, mm-hmm. which surprised all of us when we saw River Phoenix was in it. Yeah. And this was a crazy, weird, kind of LSD trip uh, Native American trailer. I don't even know what to think about this. Directed by Pulitzer Prize winner Sam Shepard. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wanted. I kind of want to see it now. Let's yeah, find, I'm let's find enough. a VHS of that. Yeah, I, uh, I dig on Sam Shepard, so uh, R.I.P. Yeah, if we find this, <laughs> we should do this because it looks weird. Yeah, yeah. It, that's I think what's I'm a, I'm drawn to it because it's just so weird and I've never heard of it. Yeah, and it's got like that. It looks like it's got that like early '90s like stay with me here. Early '90s like hot cinematography yeah. where everything it's, looks sweaty yeah, and then like sweaty. orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's 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 everybody kind of. I'm wondering if Ernest Dickerson shot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the cinematographer of Do the Right Thing who really coined that in 1989, the yeah. sweatiest movie ever. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, cool. Some of the oranges and everything in it reminded me kind of like near dark where mm-hmm. everything looks like everyone looks uncomfortable yeah <laughs> my yeah my brain goes to like a last of the mohicans or something like that mm-hmm. where it is like yeah sandy and like yeah. like hot earthy yeah earthy is a yeah. good word Earth, yeah earthy yeah that's um, a good one. but yeah the silent tongue looks pretty good i would see it so our next trailer in this was a complete as alex coined it Dazed and confused ripoff. It is the Stoned Age. The Stoned Age. This looks fun though. Like it does look like a absolutely like a uh, uh, Dazed and Confused knockoff. But like, who would watch? Yeah, it it, it looked more like a, it was it was a little bit more metalhead than hippie. Uh, seemed to be the yeah stoner metalhead. Uh, it, lo- it looked like a, like a like one of the good National Lampoon's movies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sort it kind of had that that that, that feel. 
yeah. to it. A little bit, a little bit '90s MTV looking mm-hmm. too. Yeah, well, I was like, did Adam Rifkin direct this movie? Because that's like the feel I immediately got from the right. trailer, but he did not. <laughs> yeah, there was a time period in the '90s where we were getting, you know, like Airheads. We were oh. getting Wayne's World, Wayne's yeah. World Two. You're and speaking right to my heart. Like, like these are like my favorite movies <laughs> of the '90s. Like yeah, Airheads Empire and, Records. Like yes. this, like music. Yes. Kind of hard rock. I, I don't know what happened to it when it died. Maybe, like, probably 1998, right? Yeah. But it was really with big a long for a while. <laughs> I mean, all those, all those 90s rock and roll record store media movies, mm-hmm. those are, that was my childhood, man. I loved those things. So. Back when the, that was the, the gag I was saying, the CD boom. Yes. The CDs and videos are like, this is never going to die. <laughs> We're going to live forever. <laughs> We're never going to see this market fade away. <laughs> After the trailers, we get an amazing set of promos, one for War Room, one for Death Wish, about why you should buy these tapes. Yeah. Before you, before the movies begin. You're right, it's like right. A, it's like a sales pitch. Yeah. As if the movies themselves wouldn't be enough. Right, right. They're like, you have to buy these movies, here's why. We'll show you the movie, don't worry, but this should let's let this try to sway you. Yeah. And basically it's a lot of the same information that I read in, in here, you know, where you get the deal and where they're gonna be advertising it, how many units of these things have been sold. Currently in theatrical release in cities nationwide, Death Wish 5, The Face of Death, is the hot new addition to one of the most successful series in movie history. Now, this explosive sequel comes to video to thrill its built-in audience of fans everywhere. Death Wish 1, 2, 3, and 4 have earned a total of $70 million at the box office and sold over 800,000 units on video. And remember, action films are seeing even more action this year as Video Store Magazine reports a near 10% jump in January rentals with action titles leading the way. In Death Wish 5, Charles Bronson returns to his role as the self-appointed avenger of injustice. His high-powered co-stars include Leslie Ann Down of Rock Cut and The Great Train Robbery and Saul Rubinek of Unforgiven and Wall Street. Trimark Pictures has backed this much-awaited thriller with a media budget of over $2.6 million generating over 600 million consumer impressions. TV spots for the film have aired on NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox, appearing in top programs such as NYPD Blue and Coach, with placement in AFC and NFC playoff games and all major college bowl games. Print advertising has appeared in newspapers nationwide, with specialized ads in military, Hispanic, and Afro-American publications. A massive radio campaign has included radio ads on top market stations and promotional tie-ins with radio stars such as Rick Dees, Rush Limbaugh, and Howard Stern. Additional support has included local promotions with Subway, Blockbuster, and The Warehouse. Now, Bitmark will back the video release with full-page ads in Video Business, Video Store, and Video Software Magazine. And we'll tell renters all about this title by placing the film's trailer on Video Pipeline and other top Vidmark films that include Return of the Living Dead 3 and Deadfall. To ensure powerful profits, buy five copies of Death Wish 5 and get a sixth copy absolutely free. Join Charles Bronson in the sequel guaranteed to deliver killer rentals. Death Wish 5, The Face of Death. Exploding on the video with an order date of May 31st and a street date of June 15th. More great action from Bitmark Entertainment. 
stuff like that. But like, it's just like amazing to watch, like a like a nineteen nineties video pitch for a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were trying really hard. I remember, I think Alex, you mentioned all the like metrics they were throwing at you. Lots they were of like, numbers. You're gonna make so much money. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna be rich, rich and famous, mm-hmm. just like Charles Bronson. <laughs> We get a separate promo for each movie that's on there. Both of them, like, start with the trailers for the movies, and then it, like, trails off. Like, you get, like, the War Room's trailer starts, and then it's, like, so many units projected to be sold, stuff like that. Like, it's it's really fun. It's yeah. really... It's definitely a, a window to another era. The one that I thought was really funny was on the Death Wish trailer was they were flaunting the ad space that they purchased on major networks to go in front of like NFL games and other like manly programs to be like we're pitching at the at the correct uh, demographic here it's like football sports. man stuff yeah, yeah man stuff don't worry we're not putting this on Oprah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly like that was their like sort of thing my oh, god god all right, is that enough nostalgia for this shit? Should we get into the movies? Yeah. <laughs> Let's tear into it. The first note I have is uncomfortable close-ups of Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's how this starts. Yeah. Um, it's getting you up close and personal. One of the early comments we had in the movie, and I, I totally agree with, was this movie starts you right off. You get the Bill Clinton phone call where he's doing his campaigning, and then immediately the scandal. The first yeah. scandal. Yeah. Like, it's, this movie starts you right off. The 12-year affair. The 12-year affair, which they don't really necessarily, like, resolve because it's not what the movie's about. It's about how his guys are going to spin the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty firmly, after after this sort of, like, flurry of information, it puts you in the, in the shoes of um, political strategist, campaign manager James uh, Carville, who we soon sort of know as his own media personality and uh george stephanopoulos as well uh, that they sort of gain a second career after this movie kind of turns them into mini celebrities yeah into like cnn like talk show hosts james carville of course on crossfire uh stephanopoulos uh he has his own show now yeah sunday mornings right yeah yeah the press or one of those yeah he was he, he did some of that i remember he like couldn't if 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 I remember correctly, he could not uh, uh, moderate the 2016 Republican uh, primary debate because they they they, they didn't want uh, a Democrat <laughs> asking the questions because uh, that's where we are as a country. Um, and, wasn't me uh, first this time. Wasn't me first. Yeah, um, yeah. There you go. Uh, but this uh, th- this film is is co-directed also by the legendary D. A. Pennebaker, uh, who uh, who. The, the, the cinema verite documentarian who still kicking a nonogenarian uh, famously made the, the music documentaries in the 60s Bob Dylan don't look back and uh, the Monterey pop festival so uh, uh, among many others this, and he is 92 years old now right still yeah, something still doing like his that. thing yeah like 91 92 uh, that's amazing awesome. he released a movie like a couple years ago that's awesome about monkeys <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, really, it kind of puts that verite style where it's really just like dudes with cameras running around this like just like totally crazy environment. Where I mean, it is. It feels it's a it's a war room. It's a it's a circle of people just kind of hurling ideas at each other. TVs going constantly. Carville just like throwing zingers across the room. Uh, and Stephanopoulos actually sort of like is this just like very peaceful like sort of zen presence in the other side of the room. Sort of this 
this picture of like calm, quiet, cool as the uh, public relations guy, the communication. Yeah, the communications director. director. There you go. Uh, yeah, it, except for when he like kind of snaps at the end and he's like, "If you print this, I yeah. will end your career." <laughs> yeah, it's like he he brought the heat when it was necessary. Right, it was right. like a good cop, bad cop sort of thing. Totally was, like, was. Yeah, absolutely. Because Carville's just like what they call him, a raging Cajun. He's mm-hmm. just screaming all the time. Yeah, he's a whirling dervish. But like, <laughs> but just like, just like spinning threads with his tongue, just like this. He he could really turn a phrase. <laughs> it's economic, stupid. This is a great, great line. So I, I noticed in this, like, they must have changed, like, how campaigning was done because this is, like, kind of the beginning of the 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. I was starting to feel a little bit of that tabloid feel, like, when his lover of 12 years was on there and her giant shoulder pads, <laughs> which I, I assume she was going to go straight You're out to perfectly the... Perfectly coiffed yeah, hair. Ridiculous hair. hair, yeah. It was yeah. amazing. But the guy who yells when they're taking questions did he use a condom? And I'm like, yep, that's the news I know. Yeah, that's where that started, right there. But but it wasn't quite there yet because then her rep was just like just like jumped right on that and is like, we're not answering questions like that. That's disgusting. Like, that's where yeah, that's like the seed was, was planted. There was still like an air of like respectability Decency, to it, yeah. but barely. Yeah, <laughs> but it was somewhat there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the thing I think they they mentioned early on, and it is a signifier of what was to come with the 24 hour news cycle, was that Carville's like. They're running a press conference for something that, like, a tabloid published. Like, this is something, like, that the star covered was this 12-year affair. But now, all of a sudden, it's being covered by all these major news outlets. Like, it went from star to that. And that sort of spread, I think, is the beginning of that 24-hour news cycle oversaturation dumb news that we have today. And as Clinton had mentioned when they asked about it, he's like, this is being published in the Star. They publish stories about Martians walking the Earth. Nobody's asking me about if Martians walk the Earth. Like, <laughs> that's kind of, you know. The most Clinton answer you could give. <laughs> yeah, just, it's, he could talk his way around anything. Yeah, and which, so is, could, which is why he had all those freaking affairs probably. Yeah, because he could talk his way out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was, a, he was a smooth talker. He was a smooth guy. Uh, now, but, as a smooth talker, we should also go right into Mr. George W. Bush is George, not. George H. Oh, I'm sorry. George H. Senior. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> There's a lot of lines in here. I can't understand him. Mm-hmm. And then when it was showing his zingers, wow, did they fall flat. Just mm-hmm. a dud. There's one of them, he, whatever he says, Let's the audience... Like for about two seconds, doesn't start laughing and clapping because they don't even know it's the zinger. Yeah, like, like wait, is he done? <laughs> yeah, that was it. And they're, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our old white man is right. Yay! <laughs> uh, he was saying something about the uh, the opposition campaign trying to get on his, you know. What yeah. I don't know. Like it was it's weird. Your, his your who know you knows you what know, or whatever knows, he like knows. stumbled through saying. There was a lot of pronouns in there that, that really or, or uh, yeah it it, it didn't uh, didn't work. Who was harder to understand, Bush or the raging Cajun? Sometimes. <laughs> well, Carville, on top of having this like sort of like Cajun like Louisiana accent, is we we're also dealing with the very low quality <laughs> so so i could like often hear your tv like tr- like warring against the tape to like try to get try to to like force some like legible audio out of it there were some things where like i need to like i need to find uh uh well and we'll, we'll quiz your viewer or we'll quiz your listeners here 
Um, one of the two of these movies has since been re-released by Janus Films in the Criterion Collection as a restored, as a lovingly restored Blu-ray. Guess which one? The War Room or Death Wish 5, <laughs> The Face of Death? If you guess Death Wish 5, you're correct. Um, it's the no. very few quizzes that our fans will pass. <laughs> um, really we got good. some good laughs out of this out of the war room I can definitely mm-hmm. see why it was like so many and got the nomination for the Oscar because mm-hmm. it was it rode that line of very humorous and very interesting yeah. which is tough yeah. to do and at times kind of repellent too like the like the entertainment in it is kind of like you never lose sight of the fact that these people are just like they're shilling politicians they yeah. are like they're spinning things uh, many times without any sort of question of morality or ethics or anything like that um, and they're salespeople. Like that's really what we were seeing. We were seeing like salespeople evolving uh, in in the political realm, but it's still they're they're magnetic characters, which yeah. is what makes this such an entertaining movie. A little bit repellent in what they're doing, but you're just kind of in awe of them because of how good they are at their jobs. Yeah, I I just like thought to myself maybe like an hour in, and it's only a ninety minute movie, and I thought to myself like an hour in, I was like, man, we are just a camera dropped in a room, and it is flying by. Yeah, like like the it, it it's just so watchable watching yeah. this this war room. Uh, even even you know you were saying like hucksters, uh, Carville, reflexive of today's environment, has to defend uh, Clinton about his ties to Russia or what a time he went to Russia, and he's just like, yeah, I went to Russia, like yeah, I know. And then they were like, well, what did he do there? And and he was like, what? How was? How am I supposed to know what he did when he went over there? I didn't it go was there. And he's so he's so like likable that you're just like, no, all is forgiven. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like that's the point. Like they're just hucksters like that. That's what they do. That's that's how they sell their candidates or whatever. Yeah, that man could rob you. Yeah, and he would explain to you why it's a it's fine. I didn't shoot you. You're gonna be okay. And blah, 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 blah. and you'd be like, oh, okay. okay here's my have life. a nice day. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> life is better now for you having done this to me. Yeah, right. Exactly. I support you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's how he could do it. That's how he could spin yeah. it, man. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on. To, to yeah, let's wish yeah, I'll does finish. Anybody, does anybody have yeah, any more notes on War I'll finish Roman? off just a few of the notes I took. Uh, the theater marquee had honeymoon in Vegas for a dollar fifty each seat, which nice. was amazing to think about. Not that long ago, tickets yeah. were a dollar fifty. <laughs> uh, George looks a lot like Eric Bischoff. If anyone is a wrestling fan oh, out yeah, there, he does. And he does. yeah. And uh, we had uh, these things that came out of the bottom of the phone cords. Ooh, yeah, what are yeah. those? That was weird. <laughs> Do they have those? Do they have those next to the VCRs? <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird glove conspiracy that we kind of made up with a uh, oh. raging Cajun just wearing one glove, and then and Switching then the hands. next shot is switches hands. <laughs> like, yeah, he was on? only wearing. Yeah, this was the night before. Like I, I think the, the night, night before the election, right? Yeah. We had no idea so why. He was indoors. He was in his office. I don't know what was going on. We think maybe he's a nail biter. Maybe. And uh, and put his gloves on to keep him from uh, biting his nails. I'm a nail biter, and that's something I've done Ooh, yeah. for some time. So am I. Yeah. To, uh, to I wear my gloves when I drive so I don't mm-hmm. smash them down. We had 50-cent drafts right before the actual election, mm-hmm. yeah, they which were. all of us were excited about. Yeah, we were like, Where, where's that at? Can we go? I was like, can we go there for, for <laughs> And then George got eye-fucked by the secretary, and all of us are like, uh, yeah. had sex. (laughs) That's the other thing. Like, George Stephanopoulos, 30 years old, running communications for this thing. First of all, baller. So, like, second of all, was probably betting every, like, woman on that 
campaign. He looked like a lady killer. He was yeah. a hunky dude. Yeah, all um, five foot two of them. Yeah, and just <laughs> but just like exuding cool though. Yeah, like, like yeah. truly, like I was I was quite impressed. I was a little turned on. <laughs> well, you know, well that I mean that denim jacket, that denim Whoa. jacket. So, but also, who else were we turned on by a little bit? Uh, Hillary. Hillary was looking like a mad fox, even though she wasn't allowed to speak the entire campaign. Yeah. She was looking good in 92. Did you have any more uh, notes on War Room before we jump into the... The muck. Yeah, <laughs> before we get into the trenches of Death Wish 5, the face of death. No, I, I think we've drug our uh, listeners through enough politic talk, so let's <laughs> right, let's enough, move on yeah, to... that highfalutin white-collar talk. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking liberals, let's move on to some real shit. Death Wish 5. The face of death. A surprisingly oh. sleepy movie. Yeah, not a lot <laughs> happens in this film. Uh, well, I, you're right, you're right. <laughs> uh, this is the back to the basics after the insanity that was Death Wish uh, 3 and 4. But funnily enough, uh, Alex has never seen any of the Death mm-hmm. Wish movies. And when I told him that I wanted him to come on for this one specifically, I said, don't watch any of them. Yeah, Let's I, uh, just jump you know. in on five and just see how you feel. So we just could get an honest gauge for like... And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I was just more surprised at how, yeah, somnambulant the whole thing was. It was just like, the, the, the he just kind of walks around. He barely shoots his gun, for God's sake. I Not mean, many guns get shot in this movie. No. He barely walks. He's in his yeah. car watching them most of the time, which yeah. gives him the opportunity to sit the whole movie. They tried to make a more serious movie, but in turn made a sleepier movie. But the the sort of like time bomb that they had in the movie that they didn't really use enough of was Michael Parks as the villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's actually pretty great. Oh, I, oh, I couldn't take a highlight my, for sure. Couldn't take my eyes off the screen when he was on screen. Mm-hmm. Every line is just juicy. He's yeah. Irish Trump. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like I fucking hate Trump with a passion, but like someone playing a character of it is so watchable. Like, yeah. oh, because yeah. he's making fun of it, you know, and that's like that's awesome. So like, he's yeah, just chewing from, scenery from his first moment on screen, he's walking backstage as women are changing at a beauty pageant that he owns. I mean, it's it's not subtle. <laughs> yeah, with his like with these like tinted sunglasses and this like double breasted suit that's yeah. just so tacky and the worst haircut yeah. ever. Like, <laughs> it's like a weird like bastardization of like a of like the Caesar haircut that yeah. Clooney would popularize later in the nineties. Yeah. Boobs within five seconds. Five se- yes. yes. Actually, that that's a great... Like, lights came up, boobs. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. And a like, first shot. Terrible yeah. fashion show where mm-hmm. they were walking... And those poor, poor models in those shitty, shitty wigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so Michael Parks runs the shop that makes the clothes beneath the, the where they yeah. actually put on the fashion I show i don't think anybody who made this movie has any understanding of how clothing manufacturing <laughs> or the fashion world works because in this building in the basement of the building or the first level or whatever appear is this very loud very dangerous textile shop i don't know yeah. if anybody's ever been into a textile where that shit is loud yeah. you can't do anything else in that no. building but on the floor above is an artsy venue with a catwalk where they are showing the fashions. Yeah. 
at the same time as the clothing is being manufactured very loudly right below them. Now, what <laughs> made that textile particularly dangerous? Oh, the acid bath, possibly, <laughs> and, the, and the buzz saws, and the uh, what else did they? The everything was electrical. Yeah. Or uh, anything anybody touches, they could explode. We learn in the final scene. Yeah, like that. But that acid bath is just. There are no barriers around it. It's no. just kind of in the middle of this warehouse. Yeah, you're just like, oh, no. go for the acid bath, guys. Like, yeah. don't, don't step yeah. in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like there. There's no. There's not even like a lip to it. It's just like, oh, there it is. It's just a pit, and and it's just yeah, no, no signs, no nothing, and it's just a big tub. Big and, and the screenplay writer, which went on to uh, create Face Off and yeah, Tomb Raider, the story writer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't even put a line in there that it would explain why there's an acid bath no. in a textile. No. You know how they usually do with sci-fi? They're yeah. like, oh, well, this jumbly jubilee, this is why we can do all this. Yeah. They don't do it. No, no they're just like, they're just like, they're just like, here it is. Here it is. And then they abandon it. I mean, they will come back. Bronson proceeds uh, to go, well, first, because of the relationship with Bronson and the ex-wife of Michael Parks, he... Parks decides to go send to one of his goons who shows up in drag and catches her in the women's bathroom. Yeah, for no he, particular reason. And he is in full drag, not just yeah. like a guy in a wig hiding out in the bathroom. Like, it is full drag yeah. to take the ex-wife and throw her into a mirror. Yeah. Pretty oh, gratuitous. That's, yeah, that's pretty strange. nasty. Yeah. But, uh, but that guy, uh, that actor, what's the actor's name? Robert Joy. Robert Joy just taken this opportunity to, 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 to really eat it up. As, as Freddie Flakes, the gangster with dandruff, is his, like, gimmick for the movie, which is pretty amazing, actually. He dandruff wherever he goes. Yeah, like, even the police officers are like, did you see dandruff on the scene? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Michael Parks and Joy there, like, could you imagine just putting those two, making those two star in a film? I would, I would watch. That. I want to watch and, their story. Yeah, I don't give a shit about Bronson. I'm wondering if Joy was just like he came on set and he's like, all right, I got this idea. Yeah, oh, a guarantee. What if my guy has dandruff? Like that's his thing. The director's just like drunk on the other side of this. Yeah, sure, cool. Or dandruff, just like coked it. out of his mind, yeah. and it's just like, I love it. Dandruff, it's great. It's a great idea. I think we can run with it. We'll call him Freddie Flakes. It'll be Freddy great. Writing <laughs> into the script right now. Here we go. Yeah. So new pages. Got new pages. <laughs> so these Irish mobsters end up hunting them down into whatever Bronson's character's name I can't remember now. Um Cursey? Uh, Death Wish. I'm gonna call Death him Wish. I'm gonna call him Death Wish. Yes. From his, now on. His name is Death Wish. <laughs> so Cursey, if you don't remember, is an architect. So when you are introduced to his house, it's massive and it's full of pots. <laughs> lots and lots of pots. And we found Ceramic out pots. what Irish gangsters are really good at. And it's destroying pots. <laughs> yes, because they sh oh, naturally, after they throw the woman into a mirror, they have to show up at her or his house where she's staying and throw her out the window then. Yep. Because well, after they destroy every pot that they can find in that house. <laughs> so many inserts of pots shattering Exploding. through gunfire. Yep. <laughs> it's oh amazing. God. There's more pot carnage than there is like actual like human carnage in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, if you shocking. like guns shooting ceramics, this is your fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, do you guys like seeing uh do you guys like seeing people shooting clay pigeons? It's like that, but inside a house. <laughs> and not moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thrilling, thrilling stuff. So really, they kill thrilling. the woman because women are bad. 
And right, that's right. pretty much what canon stands for. Yeah, well, any, and, any Death Wish movie, women are just fodder to be raped or killed. Yeah, at least no rapes in this. No rapes, thank God. They've grown up a little bit. The, the, the first Death boy. Wish with no rape. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, only. we have a new one. We have a new one, which we'll talk so, about next week. But I'll I, put money down that's got a rape in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> I am going in rape ready because I am sure Ooh. it's going to happen. <laughs> what if Eli Roth gets raped in it and it throws us all for a twist? My, it would immediately be my favorite Eli Roth movie. <laughs> I would see me. I wouldn't even be surprised. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Like it'd be like, of course, Eli Roth wrote himself getting raped into this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no surprise there. I like Eli Roth, but I'm probably the only one. But uh, I think that yeah, the idea of the remake is fucking stupid. Anyway, so so pumped. It's a disaster. The disaster. We should also bring up. So he is under witness protection. Oh uh, yeah. Kersey's under witness protection in but this film. But he is constantly called by his real name and pointed out that he is in witness protection yep. constantly like, what is wrong with oh, this yeah. like Paul Kersey, he's in witness protection uh he shot a bunch of people <laughs> and the movie weirdly follows the people who like are monitoring him yes as he's under witness protection but to no real end no conclusion it just sort of peters off like there but there's a subplot about like one of them sort of being a double agent but it really doesn't go in like he's actually working for michael parks but there's no, again, there's no resolution to this. He no. just kind of disappears. Uh, great character actor, Miguel Sandoval, uh, plays the double agent. Uh, and a terrible Wikipedia <laughs> picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, posing next to some jabroni with a gun. Um, but uh, famously in many uh, Alex Cox movies, he uh, collaborated with Alex Cox, director of Repo Man, Sid and Nancy, uh, a number of others. Uh, I'm a big fan of Alex Cox. So it was cool to see Miguel in there. Uh, as a Latino in a Death Wish movie who that, is plays, the, that plays a villain but is not a frothing-at-the-mouth monster. Right? right, which is nice. I mean, I, the, the, <laughs> so, this whole thing that... Was Again, really, progress. Yeah, yeah what was really interesting to us with doing War Room and Death Wish was that it was like this liberal documentary about getting a liberal into office and everything like that versus like a conservative series about, you know, pro-guns when push too far we have to take the law into our own hands and kill all the brown people but uh this one it it really yeah by now i don't even necessarily think it's progress i just think they are checked out yeah it it almost isn't that conservative bend anymore like it's almost we, we call it like home alone because he was barely using the gun he was using different tricks and stuff to kill the a, bad guys. A remote controlled soccer ball is a, a bomb at one point. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> was a weapon of choice. It was very very odd. But at yeah. least Frankie Flakes went out well. Yeah. I mean, with a that bang. was with a bang. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yep, that's true. Now what they should have done after he exploded, though, if this movie was clever, had it kind of been snowing. Like his dandruff exploding. Oh. <laughs> See, maybe that would have been in Death Wish 3 or 4. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, a more really ballsy uh, uh, director would have made that choice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was... So it's, it has lost sort of its conservative edge by 5. Just go over the top. Why are you playing yeah. it so safe? Because guns don't cost... Gun props don't cost a lot of money. Squibs yeah. don't cost a lot. Right. I just feel like it was a combination of like, well, we don't have enough money... So let's let's take it back, even though we shouldn't, because yeah. mm-hmm. if they knew, if they could travel 15, 20 years in the future, they would know. The reason we love Death Wishes is because you are so over the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, not, the... uh, it's not for the it's not for the 
nuanced character work. Yeah, it is. It is because we want to see stuff explode. Uh, but uh, I, I will mention something that I saw when reading a little bit about this movie. People that like the first movie really like this one for some reason. I don't understand and it, and why. And like I said, it definitely loses its sort of conservative edge, if you if you will. It's kind of boring and doesn't have like sort of the craziness of three and four. But for some reason, the fans of the original seem to like this one. Yeah, and maybe I mean maybe it comes from a place of like there is at least like an effort to try to make it a little bit more of a straightforward yeah. or like quote unquote respectable movie. So like, and there was enough love for this character and the history yeah. behind this character that that maybe they feel a sort of connection to that where they're like, oh yes, like they're t- treating it with the respect it deserves rather than turning it into this cartoon. Yeah. I don't know, but... Boo! <laughs> I want a cartoon! <laughs> yeah, no, like that's what I signed up for with this series was how cartoonishly over the top right. can we go. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. And I think too also, you know, this movie's 20 years after the original. The audience has gotten older too. And then this probably is just perfect, uh, you know fair for a 60 year old to just throw on on a Saturday afternoon before church you know yeah. and maybe uh, yeah it's not like that bloody so they don't have to feel that bad about right. it right like it ages with them but like yeah. in the 70s when they were like in their 40s and just starting families and they wanted to kill all the black people like the first one was really satisfying for them right. and right. now they're older and calmed down and you know the kids are out of the house now and maybe they, <laughs> just, maybe they also like can relate to the fact that Charles Bronson, like, it hurts to move. And it's very obvious when you're watching this movie. And, like, these guys are like, yeah, man, it hurts to live. Like, I feel that, Bronson. I feel that, Death Wish. Like, I'm with you because, like, Homeboy doesn't move. He's so little. He's like a very, very ineffective Jason (laughs) Voorhees in this movie. He's He's just kind of slowly stalking it. It's almost comical because... He really doesn't. He just kind of stands there and then maybe points his gun and walks slowly at somebody. And then, like, everybody's just kind of writhing on the ground waiting for Death Wish to, like, get to them. Yeah. And they're just over at, like, oh, no, it hurts, my God. And he's like, I got you. And just, like, it takes him, like, a minute to get there. I mean, he kills a person with a cannoli. Like, he has slowed down. He doesn't move. <laughs> he, it's like, just, watches a he dude eat a cannoli that he maybe poisoned. <laughs> I'm really not sure what happened to the cannoli. Maybe he choked. I don't know. I, but, like, I, yeah. on the other end of the restaurant, it's just Charles Bronson sitting there watching him. Yeah, he's, like, sipping an espresso. Sipping yeah. an espresso. Like the fucking Kermit the Frog meme with yeah. the Lipton tea. That's, like, what it looked like. Yeah. Enjoy your cannoli. It's going to kill you eventually from all the sugar, and you're going to get diabetes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he yeah. happened to choke to death. Sweet. Got it. Yeah, he's, like, playing the long game. But he's like, oh, shit. No, he's choking on it? Dope. Easy for me. Yeah. And the best part, he, like, he like walks, but he's, like, he's, it says some, like, crummy one-liner, and then he just kind of like ineffectively shoves him forward like yeah. onto the table yeah, as he's like him. continuing to like choke and writhe. It's very just so like the pulse doesn't rise above like <laughs> yeah pushing a dude over. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And then when we skip to the end and it's Michael Parks or, or what is it O'Shea? Was that yeah, the gangster's O'Shea. name? Yeah. So O'Shea gets three other hired guns. Yeah. And we should also mention the body count in this is six. Single, single digits. Six, yeah. yeah. Easily. So we get three hired guns and he essentially takes them out with, what was it? It was just like a little bitty uh, lift truck. I don't know what those are called. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he rolls it towards them. They blow it up. 
they're like, oh no, it's a burning dummy. And then he sneaks around and he shoots, shoots them. All three of the goons That's immediately. It. They and have like they have like assault rifles and he has like a six shooter. And of course it's the typical good guys have aim and the bad guys don't. He's got a six shooter. He's just like yeah. one, two, three, pops them and they're just like and like can't hit anything. And yeah. Charles Bronson can't like duck or run and hide behind anything. Or he really leans, move. He just sort of <laughs> leans on a little platform that he can aim his gun from. Like, he just yep. leans forward, and that's it. He and was that gun 71, is... by the way, when yep. he made this movie. <laughs> 71 years old. And that gun, by the way, was the Colt King Cobra. All right. Mm. So if any of you want to go out there, jump out to a broker and buy it. <laughs> yeah, if you're like, I want the gun from Death Wish 5, that's what it's called. So I cannot shoot it like Charles Bronson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, please I don't, don't think, shoot it. Don't uh, take it to any schools, you fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guns, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you mentioned, we, we all suspect, I think, over the course of this movie, I don't think he ever unloads that gun fully. I don't think he takes six shots out of that gun for the entire movie. Yeah, I wish we would have counted, but I'm assuming it's four, yeah, yeah maybe five. Yeah, maybe. that's, that's it. Yeah. And he loses, he throws the gun down, and you go takes a shotgun from one of the goons. He doesn't think he's gonna, shoot the He's gonna blow Parks' head off, because he's like the final guy left. He's gonna blow him apart. And he uses the shotgun to push him into the acid bath. Into the acid bath. <laughs> and there's the acid bath! It came back! It came back, Yay! yeah. And Michael Parks melts in the acid bath, which is pretty awesome. There's another good death, too, where one of the goons falls into what I'm assuming is some sort of, like, press for clothes because oh it's, like, the two gears turning together. So I'm assuming it's some sort of press. The guy falls in there, and it's, like, pretty, like, goreless and boring when he falls in. But... Then it cuts to the bag where chunks of him are falling into, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. gnarly. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering what that machine was originally for, if not for chopping I, up humans. Oh, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the human smasher <laughs> that all factories have. All textile factories. <laughs> yeah, they have things that just can turn humans into mincemeat, which actually, that's probably true. <laughs> So our guest star, Alex, here found a pretty good tidbit on Mr. Charles Bronson. Yeah, well, what's interesting about this, especially since this is a show about uh, about VHS and the, 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 the analog stuff that's kind of floating around, Charles Bronson, uh, ever the savvy businessman, was one of the first actors to get clued into the VHS craze and was one of the first uh, actors to begin asking for, in his contracts, clauses in which he was guaranteed a portion of home video profits. This led to a large windfall uh, windfall of cash uh, later in his career, which led to him leaving behind an enormous, like, eight-figure estate, like an $80 million estate in Malibu. Gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> Which, like, he was, he was making money hand over fist, and he understood his, you, you know, knock him all you want, but he understood his audience, and he knew where the money was coming from. And he was getting old. As you see in Death Wish 5, he doesn't move so good. So uh, he needed to to make sure he could, I guess, retire comfortably, which he sort of did after this movie. Yeah, this was his last theatrical feature, we found. Uh, But, uh, I mean, obviously, this 
number of the 800,000 units of the Death Wish 1 through 4 tapes. Yeah. That I mean, if that's an accurate figure, that's where the money was going, probably. Right. These Death Wish movies were probably paying for that yeah. $80 million estate. Now, that's not to say he wasn't making money on the front end, either. Oh, yeah. Now, Charles Bronson's salary for Death Wish 5 was a reported 5 to $6 million. The same, or, or, or possibly even more, than the budget for the rest of the film itself, which is estimated to be about $5 million. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing they add to this is like they say $2.6 million was used for advertising of That's this movie, right. Which could just be a flagrant lie. Like, yeah. it may not even be true at all. Yeah, who but... knows? These guys were being audited by the IRS at some <laughs> point. So, <laughs> there, yeah. there could have just been fraud going on left and right. Yeah. So. I do wonder how they got any movies off the ground because you had all that nasty stuff going on in canon. And then mm-hmm. he comes over here and starts 21st century films. While he's while canon is being audited? Yeah, right? while yeah. canon is being like... So he can keep making movies. Like shredded and just cut down by the you know IRS trying to figure out where all this money is. And like I know they owed a lot of people money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess they just... Are they, and are how did they do accurate? that? Yeah, like, <laughs> how do you guys do that? And I think the reason the budget got cut in this, and this is just me assuming... I never read this or anything. I'm assuming they're like, yeah, we'll make this movie for $8 million. We'll pay Bronson like two because he's so old. And mm-hmm. then Bronson's like, you can't make this movie without me. I want five. And they're yeah. like, oh, shit. He's yeah. right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he just like kind of sucked up a lot of that of the projected budget for the movie. I bet he did. Yeah. I... Well, let's see if it paid off for them. <laughs> oh, because it's got the box office. So this movie was released January 14th, 1994 in a limited yeah. release uh, <laughs> in January dumping month. With a budget, we said probably around, at bare minimum, $10 million. Yeah. At most, maybe $12 million Yeah, when you add yeah. in the marketing or whatever. Uh, opening weekend, made $503,000. Opening weekend. So not even a million. Half a million dollars. And the total gross was $1,702,000. Yeesh. So they only made a million on a $10 million movie in theaters. And I know, I guarantee they made the movie, the money back on the, the VHS. I'm sure, you know, yeah. because that's it was printing was money in 94. But, like, that hurts still to have that opening box office of only... One million dollars. Now, see, I wonder at this point was the United States and everyone were we tired of action films because it kind of hit the pinnacle top with T two. I think so. This was this. There was a little bit of a. uh, I I feel like there was a little bit of a stagnation at this time, like ninety four. I mean, you had I guess you had Pulp Fiction coming out later in the year, but that was like a different kind of movie. That wasn't Um, an action movie, right? Exactly. That was was maybe marketed as an action movie, but. It was very little action. Right, it was very stagnant. I really don't think... It was like... I feel like things like kicked back in with like the Jerry Bruckheimer, mm. Michael Bay kind of brand of action that came in like a couple years later with yeah, stuff Armageddon, like Bad Boys, uh, yeah. Con Air, Face Off, Air Force One, yeah. like where that boom kind of happened between like 95 and 97 and this just kind of... This was the end of a different era type thing. Yeah. 94, people were just, like, done with this shit. Yeah, they kind of hit a rock bottom there. And then we had Matrix, and it fucking changed everything for 10 years because we still had to have all those people in leather jackets. And (laughs) And we had Everything with filtered. New metal. Yep. Blade. Blade. 
as well. You guys are talking about my childhood again. <laughs> yeah, that's that good stuff. I actually bought the DVD of this, still wrapped for one penny, and paid one ninety five in shipping and handling. <laughs> Somebody was just like, get it out of my house. So I've watched <laughs> Death Wish 5 twice now in the past week and a half. Yeah. Both in pan and scan, full screen, nonetheless, though, even though you watch the DVD. The DVD is pan and scan, yeah, full screen. It's just, it's just a VHS well, you have transfer. A, you have nice. a choice. You can watch it in 4.3, or you can fill the screen. And I was like, 4.3, you fuckers. Oh, no, oh stretch. Stretch it. <laughs> oh, my God. Before we go to the museum, we have to ask the question, if you see this movie... Okay, let's do it this way. We already said if we found this we pick it up as a collector because it's interesting. Right. If you find the war room just sitting in the Goodwill, just just good, uh, just war room, do you pick it up? Yes. Loved it. Yeah, I agree. The war room was a surprise hit to me. I, I mean, I know it was up for an Oscar, but I'm sure there's tons of documentaries I wouldn't like up for an Oscar. This one had, it just nailed it. Yeah, it, it was a fun movie. It was it's, funny, entertaining, and, yeah. and quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was faster paced than Death Wish Five. <laughs> it, it has more action, <laughs> more going on. It is literally a movie about guys talking in a room, and it was more interesting was than more an old guy running around with a gun. Yeah, well, running being the operative. Yeah, I don't right. Think Not really running. Yeah, no, he couldn't run. What about you, Matt? Would you recommend oh, yeah. the War Room? Yeah, pick it up. It's a. I don't rewatch documentaries, so I don't think I would necessarily buy it to own it to rewatch. But if you've never seen it before and you come across it for like a dollar, definitely pick it up. It's worth watching. On the flip, on the flippy, if you come across Death Wish Five at the uh, video store, do you pick it up? Alex, go first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Um, <laughs> Hard pass, but I will say this: having this this being the only Death Wish film I've seen, I am now actually really hungry to watch the other ones just because I want to see how it got to this. <laughs> it's such a boring nothing movie where like nothing happens, where there has to be like there has to be some like meat or at least like some delightful trash to be discovered in the past entries that I'm actually really excited to to get into. I would get it if it was a box set of all five. Gotcha. Because I would then just, like, have them all as a collection, and then I could watch the first four and just, like, revel in the disgusting... Yes, uh, filth. ...trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is the Death Wish series, which, weirdly, this has me primed for. I don't nice. know why. I gotta actually say no this time, too, unless... You unless you find it for like a penny, like you did, or like a quarter in a thrift store, and you like Michael Parks, and you just want to watch mm. a silly performance, you can honestly buy it for a penny and fast forward to his scenes, and then like put it away and never watch it again. But I'm gonna say no unless you want to see that, or if you're a completist like me, I own this because I own all five Death Wish movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would pass on this, too. This is just an old man desperately trying to hold on. But, I mean, kudos to him for getting all that money. Yeah. But I say skip five and two. Just watch one, three, and four. Yeah. One those are the because ones you need. Yeah. yeah, those are the ones you need. One's good. Two is dirty. Three is way over-the-top bizarre. Four is, you know, it's it's about crack. Yeah, so. and and they're trying to be, I wouldn't even say progressive in four, but they're trying to blame white people for all the drug problems. Yeah, they're they're, they're backtracking now. They're backpedaling. They on were their racism. Well, and they <laughs> were they were kind of ahead of the curve there. Now that's just like common knowledge, where it's like, yeah, the CIA brought crack into the hood. Like that's how that worked. But um, <laughs> but back then, that was that was a little 
That was a little fringe. Yeah, they maybe. were like there was a time period in the early '90s, mid '90s where it shifted to like white businessmen were always the ones to blame. Like you had mm-hmm. that kind of like Fern Gully effect where they're destroying the environment. Yeah, they're right. they're sending crack everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it was always. It was the war end of the Reagan era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, good point. With the times Bush were changing. Yeah, let's museum. put something in the museum now here. So every week we always look at the movies we watch and we want to find one thing that is either the gold that we've sifted through and found to put in the museum or a lump of coal that we want to put in to learn from. So I will, uh, I'll let you guys take it away. What, uh, what's going in the museum this week? In the war room, I am putting that denim jacket in the museum. (laughs) (laughs) I want that thing. And I guess in the museum part for Death Wish, I'll put in the museum. I'm putting Frankie Flakes in there because that character actor, everything he's in, even when it was the Hills Have Eye remake and Land Land of the the Dead, Dead, it's just he's so good in front of the camera. Robert Joy is awesome. Yeah, Robert Joy. He's a great character actor. I I, I love that choice. I liked it. Mine, for War Room, the Carville shirt is going in. Mine, so another article of clothing. I want that shirt. The Mardi Gras rugby uh, collared shirt is amazing. And for Death Wish 5, I am throwing in exploding remote control soccer balls in the museum because it is just... It's... Yes, exactly. Wow, wow. It's, It's Home Alone in a Death Wish movie. Yeah. Hey, Sorry. Kitty. Our so Kitty, you want, to, you want to put something in the museum, Kitty? In the war room, my museum pick would be uh, Carville's Last Speech. Again, this is a movie where you're seeing hucksters selling shit for about an hour and a half, but there is a really great moment uh, right before the election begin, the, like the, the right before election day, where Carville's sort of giving a speech to his troops, uh, and he breaks down, he begins to cry. And, it, and it's a really fascinating speech to, where he talks about sort of how he got there and he sort of sums up the way that he and George Stephanopoulos were running things and how he thinks it will like change the way that elections are run. And you saw who James Carville the person was in that moment. Uh, and it's a really kind of hallmark moment and a pretty amazing captured moment like on the fly in documentary filmmaking. So that's what I put for the war room. Death Wish 5. I think you maybe left this for me to pick up. I'll put Michael Parks in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I knew uh, someone Park, had to. Because, because a great Michael Parks performance is always valuable. He Every every Michael Parks performance, for the most part, is a great Michael Parks performance. Right. Uh, he is he is a great he is a great actor. I've seen better Michael Parks performances, but you can just see him digging for something worth remembering. The Michael only Parks. silver lining of losing Michael Parks is the fact that he is being appreciated now. Yes. Yeah, don't worry, Michael Parks. In a few years you're gonna be in Dust Till Dawn and then you're just gonna take off. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna yeah, you're gonna get a little second act to your career. I mean he had a nice run on Twin Peaks at around this. Uh, a little yeah, bit that's earlier true. Than yeah. this. But it's like T V, so yeah. at this time period I still think T V was kind of looked down upon. Yeah, like even Twin David Peaks. Lynch T V? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. In this Death Wish movie. Parks is your loaded gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's really, he's really the only thing. Uh, when when the guns aren't shooting, it's the, the which they really don't shoot much at all. He's the only guy that that really brings the fireworks. Here. Yep. Well, and and uh, Mr. Joy as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, on a, on a Frankie Flakes. Scale, Frankie, Frankie Flakes, Flakes as well. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we're running a little bit long here, but it was great to have our special guest, Alex, here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it was great. For coming. It was so fun. And remember to check out uh, information on Horrorama. Yes. You can do that yes. on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yep. Yes, all yep. three, Windy City Horrorama. Uh, we also have a website, uh, windycityhorrorama.com. Uh, where you can check out uh, updates. Uh, And if you are interested, uh, any of those uh, are a great way to to contact us, keep in touch with us. If you're interested in being a part in any capacity. For sure, um, absolutely. We we are a horror family here in Chicago, and we want to support each other and help each other out. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So uh, April 27th through the 29th at the Davis Davis Theater in Chicago, Illinois. Even if you're not in Chicago, it would be worth coming down to see. I promise you we have so many tricks up our sleeve. It's going to be a big party. (laughs) So excited to, to reveal the the lineup it's gonna be it's yes. gonna be fun thank you for coming on and talking the fest with me yes um, of course and next week come back because we're not done with death wish Mm-mm. we are doing scene double in march so for our non-vhs uh mini episode we are going to go see the eli roth directed joe carnahan written remake of death wish <laughs> debatable joe carnahan yeah <laughs> according to joe carnahan yeah credited joe carnahan but probably more likely Eli Roth uh, <laughs> Death Wish movie where he may or may not get raped we don't know we don't know <laughs> we don't know that's that's why I'm buying my ticket <laughs> God bless movie pass because that this one's on them <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for listening again this week and you can rate and review us on iTunes or listen to us on Podbean and remember to be kind rewind